Hi, everybody. Today we have a very special guest on our show, Tiffany Fest. Uh, Tiffany is a um, sexual assault advocate and she's doing some amazing work uh, internationally as well to empower women. We can't wait to hear from Tiffany about the wonderful things that you're doing. Welcome, Tiffany, to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be a part of your program. I'm just excited about your platform in general. Thank you, Tiffany. Really honored to have you here. So for those who are not familiar with your story, can you tell us a little about yourself, who you are, and how you came to be a sexual assault advocate? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Tiffany, and I've always been sort of an artist and an actress most of my life. Um, but I definitely felt, especially as I became more of a woman, I would say into my 30s, I wanted to also be a more global citizen. I wanted to have a voice, give voice to other women. I've always considered myself a feminist. Um, and I realized, you know, as an artist, that's something we do. And I said, well, how can I get out there in the world and champion causes that matter to me? And um, about six, seven years ago now, I basically just decided um, the earthquake happened in Nepal is actually what I always say was this magical moment for me is I'm a Buddhist. I was chanting that morning and the earthquake struck Nepal. And I took that as my sign that this is where I'm meant to go. And I had no resources, no real money or like where I was going to go help. And I said, that's it. I got on my computer. I started looking at nonprofits and ways. So were could... you in Nepal for work or like for a personal journey? No, I literally was sitting in Los Angeles chanting about this idea that I wanted to get out in the world and, and give back to women and children and specifically was what I thought in my mind. And the earthquake happened as I was chanting about it. Wow. It was, yeah, wild. So I just like literally went, okay, the universe is speaking to me clearly. So I get on my computer and I, I'm looking at the devastation and I'm seeing, of course, immediately headlines about women, the children that are now displaced, the women who are giving birth in fields with no medica you know, medicine, it's like women are always, you know, when it comes to war or disasters, the biggest sufferers of these things, right? But also the most powerful champions of human life. I thought, oh my God, these women are out there giving birth under extraordinary circumstances. Their husbands have now died and they're just giving birth to new babies and trying to survive. Um, so I just said, I'm going to get out there. I don't know how. And I looked up organizations. And as I was looking up organizations who were accepting volunteers, I always, of course, in my mind, want to support local, on the ground, small organizations and women-led organizations, if I can find them. So I stumbled upon this organization that doesn't exist anymore, um, but run by this amazing woman who's British, who had married a, a Nepali man. And so she really knew the country and they had been uh, helping villages for quite some time, uh, med medical wise. And so she just immediately started organizing volunteers who were going out to these rural villages. And we were, and I was like, wow, I'm not a construction worker, but I'm gonna do this. We were basically rebuilding primary schools uh, because her thing was education and, and she's so right on, right? That the first thing that needs to be rebuilt is education structures for children so that they can continue to transform the lives of their of their generations ahead of them. So it was really an amazing transformational. I ended up in Nepal for about a month 
Um, it was the first time I'd been also like in a rural village in that way, like in that they had never seen Westerners. This was a village where there were no cars. You know, the women, the matriarchs of these cultures were so incredible to me. Like the woman who seemed to run the, the town, I still have a photo with her that I just keep as inspiration. She was the most beautiful, like 80 year old woman barefoot you know, herding goats up these mountains, I would follow her out of breath and she'd be laughing, come on. <laughs> um, and just was so inspired by like the simplicity of their way of life, the happiness in spite of what was going on. Um, it was incredible. It was the first time too, you know, you and I were talking about Western culture and the focus on beauty, right, for women. It was the first time I hadn't ever looked in a mirror for one month. They didn't have them. So I just couldn't. <laughs> and this was transformative as well. Like I couldn't kind of get over how much I was being transformed on the inside by going somewhere where I it was, was- like a cleansing, natural cleansing taking place, it's, right? It really was. And it's crazy because when people, you know, thank me or whatever, you know, people say things about the work you go and do and you volunteer in philanthropic ways, I always turn around and say, no, you don't understand. It's so selfish because I am transformed by what they give me and it's priceless. Um, and so that from that moment, I, I made this commitment in front of the Himalayas. I said, uh, I don't know how, but I'm coming back at least twice a year to support whatever's going on in the world uh, with women and children that I can that I can be of service. And I, and I did. Uh, so I, I continued that for the last six years and it led me to these amazing nonprofits, um, eventually led me to India, um, which became really pivotal. I had no idea I would fall in love with India like I did. Um, found uh, an organization there through a girlfriend of mine who said, Tiffany, you should look into this organization called New Light. Uh, New Light India is operating in the largest red light districts of Kolkata, which is pretty incredible in and of itself. And they they educate, empower, and like champion women there with the goal being not about shunning women who are performing prostitution, right? This is out of obligation, right? Uh, this says something about the patriarchy. This says something about the culture, not about the women. Um, and so she had such the right idea, like 20 years prior when she founded the nonprofit, she said, I went into the red light districts directly. I built trust with that community because I didn't judge them. I would go to the women and say, what do you want for your daughters? And she said, all of them would cry. I don't want them here with me because then they're gonna do what I'm doing. And that's how it was brought to me and my mother, right? Out of, I need to eat and here's where the street is and here's where I can provide. So they started giving her permission. With their permission, she said, we're building these schools. We're building um, houses for girls like to go to school full-time and live in the facility. And she would ask the mothers for permission for them to come live in these, in these schools. and. Um, with complete love and respect, you know, they would sign, it, it was like, we're not taking your daughters from you. You can come anytime, but can we take them out of this situation so they don't learn and see what, what this life is and then not get out. So I came, I visited, I fell in love with these girls. I fell in love with that project. And that's sort of the project I then just continued to go back to India for. Amazing. Um, <laughs> it, it is super inspiring how that one trigger and, yeah. uh, you know, change the whole outlook and uh, yeah. six years back. So I'm really eager to know 
before that, like six years before, like yeah. where were you? Talk a little bit about your childhood yeah. and, and uh, who you are. Sure, thank you. Um, I was like, I'm talking too much. I got to stop. Because <laughs> these stories, right, they're sort of all connected and it'll lead me on these tangents. Um, but yeah, you know, back to sort of bringing it to my life as a girl, when I got to New Lights, um, something really struck me, which was my own abuse as a child. So I was a victim of sexual abuse by my grandfather. Um, and I say this, right? Yeah, because it's so common. And, you know, we as women, first of all, one in three women will suffer sexual violence in their lifetime. And I think sometimes when we use the word sexual assault, we think of like, once you're older, right? Um, so I always like to instead use um, sexual violence as the word, because that comes in all shapes, sizes, and ages. Um, and for me, it was as a child, right? And it's often from someone close to you, um, closest to your family. Um, and we don't talk about this enough that like, unfortunately, this is common and my story is not original. Um, but it was something I had gone through as a, as a young girl. And then not until probably high school, uh, which apparently is common as I went to therapy, it starts to come out. You know, it's something that you sort of like to survive your, your body and your mind sort of pushes down. And then around high school, which apparently according to therapists is because it's when you become sexual as a woman, you've started your period, you're understanding what sexuality is. So the memories of that trauma start to surface because you're actually starting to understand what that was that happened to you. So I had a very difficult time, to be honest. Um, I moved to New York City for college and university to study acting, which was a dream come true. But it was also these years in my 20s of um, this abuse coming up. I was going to therapy and uh, was diagnosed with everything from PTSD to panic disorder. Um, I had a lot of struggles with intimacy with men and relationships, of course, that was all starting to surface. And then what's amazing to me about life and the way it operates full circle is that, you know, I did about a decade of therapy, really transformed my relationship with that suffering and then had no intention of that connecting right then in my 30s when I started going off into the world. And the second I hit new light, it hit me in my soul that this was my purpose uh, because these girls are also experiencing sexual violence. And I felt uniquely equipped to not only speak to them, love them, champion them, but that they were my sisters. Um, you know, no matter where we come from in the world, like my experience and my suffering is different from theirs. Um, but I understood it in a way um, that made me feel empowered to be a part of that mission. And I suddenly realized this is, this is the divine purpose that can come out of suffering, um, is that now it can also be my wisdom and something I can give back in. And it, it really has changed my life. Wow. Um, kind of speechless, uh, mm -hmm. mixed of emotions, happy for you that you're doing what you're doing. And also, and also, you know, so much that you have gone through, but, um, you know, how you, you've taken that and moved forward in your life. That is, I think that's something that is going to empower and inspire so many young girls and women. That being said, uh, Tiffany, you are doing a lot of work for mm -hmm. advocacy towards women and you know uplifting yeah. them. What are the highs and lows of your work? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I saw that question and I said, yep. <laughs> um, you know, the highs are obvious. You know, I think I sort of just spoke to them. The highs to me, really, when you quote, give back, which I sort of hate this term, right? It's like do-gooders out here. It's like, it shouldn't even be called that. It's actually- Yeah, my... it's like transactional. It feels transactional, right? Yes, yeah. it sounds transactional. And I think like, it's because our society, especially, I guess I should say Western society, because this is not true of, of many tribes and communities in Africa or other parts of the world, but we're so um, egocentric, right? It's about our own success, our own thriving in the world. And that's not actually where we as human beings are meant to operate. I really think it shouldn't be like I'm quote giving back. It should just be that this is what it looks like to be a human being in the world. You're right, right. It's it's the right thing to yeah, do. Like it's it's actually that uh you know us giving back to one another is the way to survive on the planet, you know, and that we all have something to give one another. And so it's this sacred like duty that we do this. And you know. So, you know, the high has been that, I guess, to go back to the question is that when you give in service to others, it transforms you. It makes you a more powerful person in your life, which then has a ripple effect on the communities that you're affecting and serving. And then those communities are giving so much to you. And then they're also thriving and rising, right? This is, um, this is the ripple effect of, of, of philanthropy and just really what should be called human compassion. <laughs> Um, so the highs are extraordinary and I would say the lows, and if we're being honest, which there are lows, um, I have had some experiences in India, you know, and I, I almost don't want to say because I actually hate the way that Westerners often perceive India as having like a rape culture or being dangerous. And I always say back to that, have you looked up the rape statistics in the U.S.? because actually in many cities it's higher. So that comes out of again, fear, right? And white colonialism that teaches us to think that it's the other that are quite dangerous. But just to speak to Lowe's, right? Um, when you are in another country and you are a different color and you do stand out, have I had some scary experiences um, with men? Yes, I have. Um, and I have also had difficult experiences just helping communities, right? Like not everyone accepts you. Maybe you come in and a mother is really angry. Like, why are you here? Who are you, this white lady coming over here? And I've had to really learn to gauge that with a lot of compassion too, because that's not an unfounded and unreasonable way for her to feel in any way. Um, but does it impact then how I feel that day? Absolutely. You know, and I even had one, um, I had told a story where I had gone to New Light and, you know, where they needed help that day, because I was always like, wherever I can help, was this, uh, the really small kids. So like the kids that were not school age yet, like toddlers, like two and three year olds, right? And they were so unruly. <laughs> like, I mean, they were like pulling my hair, punching me in the face. And I left that day like, what am I doing here? Like am I making a difference at all? Like, they don't like me. Uh, I'm not a nanny. I'm not doing a good job with these little ones. I'm getting frustrated. I'm catching myself yelling. And I said, oh my God. <laughs> oh my goodness, right? And then just the experience sometimes of traveling. Um, I love actually being immersed in other cultures. I think it's the most transformative thing you can do. But it would be a lie to say, 
that that doesn't also trigger probably your biggest insecurities and fears. Um, so, you know, just, I've had struggles where I'm bucket showering in villages and I'm not used to that, right? So me, Tiffany, the Westerner has had meltdowns, you know? Um, but I will say that, you know, the, the end result of a meltdown is always your biggest transformation and, and your ability to progress, right? Like in anything, I think, I think the obstacles actually become the things when you look back on, I go, wow, look what I was able to do, overcome, and how has it transformed me? I mean, I've come back to the US after spending time in villages where, you know, bucket showering or not having enough water has transformed the way I shower. I have this gratitude now for my water. I don't squander it the way I used to. Basically, the outlook is larger to life. It's, it's a different outlook towards life. Yeah. You're more and, in the gratitude phase, thanking yeah. small little things. Mm. Yeah. Yes, we need to. And so is that difficult though in those moments? Absolutely. You know, I'd be lying if I said, because it's not the life I'm used to, right? So, but I always go to this concept, right? Of getting out of your comfort zone is the only place extraordinary things happen, right? We know what is that expression? Um, nothing, yeah, nothing extraordinary happens in your comfort zone. So yes, there's been obstacles to every step of, of sort of my journey, um, especially traversing through different cultures and experiences, but it's what it, what makes, it's what makes it worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with anything that you said more. I think it's so important to get outside of your comfort zone to see and to yes. feel thankful for what yes. you have. Um, and, and I think you've done that so beautifully traveling to absolutely different part of the world uh, experiencing things from yeah. you know villages you're not even in the city like Mumbai and Delhi you're like literally in the villages and you're seeing yeah yeah and women face there mm. that being said uh Tiffany that brings me to an interesting question uh is there anything that you wish you learned uh before you began your work as a social activist there's some is there something that you wish that could have helped uh, make your impact more powerful, some mm. learnings or like some experience schooling? Do you think that's needed? Um, that's a great question. I actually would say the opposite. I think that what often stops us from giving back or going out in the world in, in such a way is we think we don't have the right education, the right experience. I'm not a social worker. I'm not this. And I had all those reservations. And then you know, how do you become one unless you just start becoming one? You better just get out there. Um, and now I feel like I've had these amazing opportunities of, you know, being able to sit at the table with women who are social rights activists who maybe own their own nonprofits, who do this work for a living. And I'm, I'm seen as an equal because of the field work experience that I've now acquired through just going out there, right? And volunteering with organizations, seeing how it works, how it operates, where your skill set could fit in. And I also say to that, you know, and this harkens to my TED talk, which I haven't talked about yet, but my activism, really the culmination of it happened for me during the pandemic is I couldn't go back to India, right? Which was hurting me. I didn't realize how deeply invested I was in my, you know, twice a year, at least three months a year, I'm abroad working in these organizations. And when I couldn't go because of the pandemic, I felt really empty. Like I was like, where's my purpose? And so I found myself writing down instead, 
the transformative experience of turning my greatest suffering as a sexual abuse survivor into my greatest mission to advocate for other women survivors around the world. And as I wrote it, I realized this is sort of a TED talk. Like I'm saying to people, to women, but also men, that our suffering is the source of our mission if we can do that, right? And I'm not at all trying to say, by the way, I say this emphatically because I also know that lots of women who have suffered what I have suffered may not be ready yet to do that and that that is absolutely okay. Like it is a journey to first overcome it in yourself get the therapy, get the healing that you need. But after that, you actually now have this jewel inside of you, this gift, like whatever you've survived, your biggest struggles can be the way that you can help and champion the world. And, you know, from my spiritual perspective as a Buddhist, that is what I think life is. And there's a quote I use a lot about that, which is Rumi uh, that I love, which is um, the wound is where the light enters us. Um, our scars are our gifts right? And it takes, of course, first overcoming the deep pain. But once it's a scar now, right, it's healed. Um, it is your access point to helping others who have suffered the same way as you. Um, and so, you know, to go full circle to that, I think that's all I would say to women or men who want to get out there and do something is maybe look at where in your life you have struggled and where that means you can become a victor for those people who have also suffered similarly um, because you have that unique access point. So I think you need nothing other than your own unique abilities and your own uh, place of suffering where you wanna see justice and then just go out and, and volunteer, just help. And it can start really small, yeah. Love that. I think this is what we need to highlight. This is, these are the experiences and experiences mm -hmm. and the stories that we need to share, um, share basically. Um, I think one person takes a lead and the whole community follows. That's, that's mm -hmm. how it is. It's just a one person talking about how they did it. Uh, and, and, and I know as a matter of fact, that there's, there's so many stories out there lying with a fear that, uh, you know, what if we talk? What if, you know, repercussions and family connections and friendships? But I think that's where the unique proposition is. That's where you are unique as a person yeah. and um, in, in bringing the change and giving comfort to those who are also feeling like you. Right? Yeah. And I think you've done that so wonderfully, Tiffany. I can yeah. be more grateful to you on that. That being and said, I, yeah. Could I, one other thing, I'm so sorry. Um, to this point is I also think it's why to like, for me, as that crystallized, right, what we're discussing, which was like, I realized, okay, this is my mission. This is where I have something to give. Um, I sort of have made this determination of calling it championing female survivor leadership. Like that's become this thing for me because I've noticed a lot of organizations, even when we talk about women, um, we use the word victim as opposed to survivor, this happens a lot, right? A, a victim of something or a victim of sexual abuse sounds pretty disempowering. Um, if I'm a survivor, then I've transformed something. And if I'm a, a survivor leader, then I've also taken that and used it as my access point as a leader in a community of people who are Love suffering. that. Love that. Yeah, so I wanna encourage women to hear that, that like that, that is what they are. 
you know, we are not victim. Yes, we were victims of this experience, but at the other end of it is our survivorship and our leadership. And that this speaks to, to how I feel the patriarchy speaks about it. Um, so I really try to not use that language because it's part of what keeps us feeling small. And it's like, you're not small, you have wisdom to share as a, as a leader. So I also want to really, as I continue my activism journey, I have this goal of like female survivor leadership. I don't see it enough. You know, we, you and I, before the podcast, we're talking about these larger nonprofit organizations that support women. I don't see enough women survivors as the leaders of those organizations. Like, let's put their voices in the exactly. front. Exactly. Let's bring those as ambassadors and not celebrities, right? And I want to thank you because that's what you're doing. And that's what Hear Her Stories is doing. And it's what I saw in your platform. It's why I wanted to be a part of it. And I'm so thankful to you, Anna. I think you should really take credit for this movement that to me is merging with what I, what I also am seeing is that like women and and leadership, not just, you know, women supporting in the background or, or exactly you having to be a female celebrity to um, be at the forefront of these issues. Actually, I think survivorship should be what makes the woman at the forefront, right? Um, so I would love to see more of that and hear her stories is doing that. So I really appreciate it. Amazing. Thank you, Tiffany. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't wait to hear about the TEDx talk and your experience okay. and, and what was the journey like? Tell us a little bit about that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I would love the listeners. Obviously, there's never pressure to listen to my TED Talk, but I think, um, you know, A, I've been noticing I would love more men to listen to it. Um, I find when we say things about, you know, again, going back to as a female survivor, men are sort of like, uh-oh, right? Um, there's a fear and I get, I get that there is some shame because there are men who are like, oh, I don't want to feel responsible for this misogyny and patriarchal culture, but men do need to own that and they need to listen to our stories. We actually need them to be a part of the transformation. You know, we as women can transform all we want, but without the patriarchy also stepping up. Being right? a true ally, right? Yeah, really being, and so being an ally, I think is them listening to us, our voices, our stories. It doesn't mean I'm saying to all men that they're terrible, but I'm saying, this is your sister. This is your niece. This is your wife. You know, um, there's a lot of men who, if they asked the women around them, they don't realize that the survivors are all in the room with them. Right. So, so I would, I would like to say if, if there's any men listeners, I know this is here, her story. So again, probably mostly women, but women, I urge you to grab your uncles, grab your brothers, grab your husbands, whoever, um, to also listen. So my, my Ted talk, um, as I sort of said, came out of not being able to go back to India to support the women and, and new light like I wanted to. And so instead realizing I had something I could write and create and it came out as a TED talk and it's called, my TED talk is called turning your greatest suffering into your greatest gift. Um, and I share exactly what you and I are talking about my story transforming my suffering into my mission. And where you can find it is the easiest way to access it would be to go to my website, which is just Tiffany Fest Speaks dot com tiffany dash fest dash speaks dot com and it's right there at the front of of the website um and um yeah writing it was so transformational in and of itself sort of like like we all know when you write something down somehow it also it becomes more clear to you that that's what you've done 
and that that's what has made it all so important. So in some ways, you know, I even say it goes back to what my TED talk is about. You know, my suffering as not being able to go back to India created a gift, which is my TED talk, which I probably wouldn't have written if I was able to just go out there and keep doing the activism. Instead, I had to get still and instead look back on how far I'd come, what it has meant and what value it could offer other people. And so I wrote it in this time where I was feeling really isolated, alone in my apartment during this pandemic and um, didn't think it would get accepted to a TEDx conference. It got accepted into three. So I ended up having to pick a conference and then, you know, had the struggle of I was supposed to get to give it um, at the stage at Stanford University. And I was so excited. And then uh, Omicron or one of the, you know, viruses came back and it went to virtual. So, you know, that was a struggle too. But you know what? I said, this is when people need to hear it. I can wait until there's a better time that I can get on a stage. Or how about, you know, that's not what it's about. Like the time is now. We're all suffering at, and at home and alone, right? So I thought to myself, this is why I need to give it now. Don't make it about getting on that stage and, and feeling so important. That's never what it's about. So I gave, ironically, gave the talk alone in my apartment, just like I was experiencing the pandemic. And that was a victory, you know, to do it at that time, at that moment. Um, so you will see it's a virtual talk. You'll just see me in a background. But um, I am just so proud of, of being able to share that and hoping that women, because it's so common, uh, one in three women, if not more, are victims of these experiences. I just want to inspire more women and men to, uh, yeah, to take to take that suffering in their life and make it an access point for social movement and change. Yep, amazing. Uh, I, I sure encourage everyone who's listening to this, as Tiffany also mentioned, grab your, your male partners uh, or, or, or family members, friends, whoever, share the link with them and uh, you know, share, share Tiffany's story uh, with, with them. And I have heard, and I can tell you that it's it's the most beautiful uh, video expressions that you know she, the words that she's used it just hits hard on your soul. Mm -hmm. So I, I highly encourage everyone who's listening to the podcast to please go and listen mm -hmm. after you listen to this podcast. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no worries, Tiffany. That brings us to the final question. Um, how would you like to remember to be remembered as an activist, Tiffany? Yeah, that's a tough one because. I think I'm still getting started, right? It's hard to think about how I want to be seen in the future because I feel like I'm still walking the path now and have so much I still want to do and accomplish and grow as myself as an activist, myself as a public speaker. Um, you know, writing the TED Talk made me realize, oh, wow, this might also be another piece for me, right? That's the beauty of two, once you start giving of yourself and your experiences to the world, it gives you back so much. And then you realize another place you may be of service. So I had never thought about public speaking until I wrote the TED talk and realized that's another point of service. Um, so I wanna see, I guess in the future that, I would like to see more of myself speaking on these issues at large women's conferences, um, maybe conferences, like I said, where these large organizations tend to hire celebrity speakers Let's have survivor leadership women speakers 
heading these conferences as the keynote speakers, right? Um, because these are the people who have the real stories and experiences, exactly. Stories, right? Exactly. So I've realized this is a new area I want to champion, you know, myself and other women is I want to be speaking more at, at organizations. I want to be doing more ambassadorships um, like I am with New Light. I want to be able to, um, you know, I never like to make it about money because I also think it's great we didn't talk about that as being necessary to giving back because it isn't. Um, so much of when I started out, I was just going and offering myself, right? And that's priceless. I didn't have funds. I didn't go and write a check. Um, but I would say, would I like to now be able to write a big check? Yes, I would, right? Um, but it would never negate the hands-on experience that I will always want to be doing out in the world. But I think if, if I'm talking about future and being looked back upon, I hope that I am an ambassador for multiple world female organizations. I hope that I'm giving voice to other women survivors um, to also feel their worth and their value as leaders, um, not as peripheral stories, as leaders in these organizations. Um, and I hope that I've been able to substantially contribute financially as well. That, that would be how I hope I'm seen and, and how I hope I continue to grow. And, I'm excited at the prospect of growing with you and hear her stories and maybe doing something in India. So we've got, we've got things. I'm we have very- got things. And that's what I, I, as I mentioned to you, I think what women need are other women who understand what uplifting means and also giving a stage to each other. Yes. That's so important, right? So um, important. Love that. And I, I, I was thinking there's this one last question I still want to like touch sure. with you although you've answered this but I really want to understand your perspective on that um, imagine you're in a room with some younger women thinking about getting involved into social mm. activism uh, what sort of advice would you give from your own experiences to them yeah I think we did touch on it but to more like sort of pinpoint or summarize it I would say the main thing I want to say to those girls or young women is you are ready right now. You already have the gifts. Yes, if you want to get an education in social work and all these things, go for it. But you are already enough right where you are. I think as women, we don't hear that enough. We're constantly competing in a patriarchal world to compete against men to even be seen as valuable. So I think the key thing would just be to say you're already enough and worthy and have gifts to give. Um, And if you have like me an access point through your own unique human suffering or experience that you can use to catapult into a purpose and a mission to help other people struggling, start there. Um, If you don't have a suffering point, then great. Maybe you just have an access point that's this is what I care about. These are the issues I care about. Then just go and volunteer with anyone doing that work love that yeah you're already enough just start yeah to the point and impactful (laughs) that's all I can say Tiffany love that um I I think there's also a sense of humanity and doing and being selfless and Mm -hmm. I personally would encourage people to travel travel to like underdeveloped or developing countries to see what what life is about larger to you know what what media has to show us uh, yes. in a small little bubble that we live in um so 
So, so that's also something that's really important to drive and encourage you to think bigger than the chores that you're doing nine to five. Yeah. Um, that being said, Tiffany, I am I'm super grateful to have you on this podcast and I really encourage other media platforms or anyone who is wanting to drive important voices and amplify these voices. I highly encourage them to have Tiffany Fest on their platform so we continue to raise important voices. And uh, I wish you all the best, Tiffany, and I look forward to, you know, working or like collaborating with you um, and and continue doing the important work that you're doing. Thank you so much for being here uh, on our podcast, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Hear Her Stories, for amplifying women's voices. It's so important, and I'm so grateful. Thank you.